Hey, Exercise Confidence listeners, thank you so much for tuning in today. In this episode, I sit down with Mary Kate Fitzpatrick. Mary Kate has a really cool background. She's currently working for Motor Trend in post production. She has a lot of experience both behind the camera as a producer and in front of the camera as an actress. We also dig into some of her hobbies, her own personal struggles with self-love, how she overcame that, and how she is utilizing that energy to put her best, most confident self forward every day. Mary-Kate has a wealth of knowledge that she shares with us today by telling it like it is, very candidly, and very eloquently. I'm so grateful that I have the opportunity to share her wisdom with you today. Also, I want to apologize for the audio. I'm still learning how to work it all out, and I'm being transparent on my journey. With all of the COVID-19, quarantine, stay-at-home orders that have been put out, I'm having to do all of my recordings over the internet. So I'm learning new software, I am learning new skills that are going to help this podcast be better and help me be a better podcaster to bring you content that is worthy of your time and that will help you learn how to exercise confidence every day. So without further ado, let's dive into our episode with Mary Kate Fitzpatrick here on Exercise Confidence. God, I can't believe this. Like I work like with techie stuff. Like I'm like, I can't do the thing to do the thing. <laughs> it's okay. Let's just let's just do it. Let's okay. do it. It'll it'll yeah. work out. It'll be great. Thank you so much, Mary-Kate Fitzpatrick, for deciding to be with us. Mary-Kate is super inspiring to me. She is somebody who is definitely a trailblazer, in my opinion, especially as a woman working in a very heavily male-dominated industry. So we're going to dive into her story. We're going to get to learn some more about her. My favorite thing to ask all my guests is, tell me something about yourself in 20 seconds or less. Oh, God, in 20 seconds or less. I would say I'm probably, like, the most unconventional person that you meet based off of, you know, what you see from the outside. You know, it's like you'd assume I'd be one type of person, but I'm completely the opposite. You know, I will attest to that because people do like to make assumptions on aesthetics and uh, listeners, you will see when I post a photo of her as my guest, she's gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous, but she's so much more than what is just on the outside. She's very intelligent. And just because she's pretty doesn't mean that she can't be a badass too. Oh my God, you're making me like, this is going to hold me accountable to make sure I use big words and yeah. (laughs) You're going to do great. You will. Let's talk about the work that you do, because I do think that it is super cool. I've always been super inspired by the work that you do. Well, I produce, it was four shows, now it's three shows for Motor Trend, which you've probably seen the car magazine. We're owned by Discovery, and I'm in the post department, and I've been doing that now for like two and a half years, and it's definitely a test of patience, communication, like grace under pressure. But I got my degree in film back in college. I got my Bachelor of Science in Film, Media, and Social Justice from Mount St. Mary's University. And I happened to come across Motor Trend by some weird chance. And I can't leave. I honestly love it so much. It's cool because you're also a car enthusiast, right? I am. Yeah. Okay. So my family owned Fitzpatrick Chevrolet Buick and Hummer for 61 years in the Bay Area in Northern California. Oh, cool. And yeah, it was in Concord. 
I grew up in Danville, and I, after high school, I went to Carondelet. So after school, I was the receptionist, and I would go to the dealership, and I always just sat in the Corvettes in the showroom, and, like, I always loved, like, fast cars. And even, like, when I was really young, like, my dream car was a Camaro. I just thought and still think they're, like, the coolest vehicles. And I had one. It was beautiful, black, murdered out. It was an SS. I got it in 2015. But I was hit. I was in a car accident, like, a year and a half ago, and Mm. we totaled it. So, But now I have a truck, still a Chevy, and so I can take my my St. Bernard everywhere. So... Uh, it's like my mom car. It was a compromise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so cute. I love yeah. it. How, um, how long have you had your dog? I rescued Marley. It was three years ago yesterday. Oh. Mm-hmm. From the SPCA on Hawthorne. Oh, that is awesome. Big shout out to the SPCA. We love the work that they do with all the animals and getting them into loving homes. Yeah, they're the best. They're really sweet, and they follow her on Instagram and stuff. That's so cute. We got our dog from yeah. um, a sh- one of the shelters as well. Uh, probably about three and a half years ago, I'd say. Oh, yeah. dogs are the best. We don't deserve dogs. Oh, gosh. We seriously, we do not. Working not only in production, but also working in production for Motor Trend, which I'm sure is heavily male-dominated, like we mentioned earlier. How have you been able to navigate your confidence in the work that you do and just pursuing it full force? So I think it's like twice as hard because film by itself has been a male-dominated industry for so long. And then with cars, you know, you typically see men running it. And to put both like film and cars together, like I had honestly expected it to be like a challenge or spoken to just in a way that could have made me feel like less, but it's just, a, it's a crazy thing. And I can't believe, like I say it, but I have never once felt, um, oppressed by being a female at my job because the majority of the employees are female, uh, the post producers. So there are three of us right now and all three are women and, uh, one gentleman is going to be coming on board pretty soon, but I've never felt like inferior. I've never been spoken to in a condescending way. I've never been told to be quiet or and if anything, like my supervisor, he's the post supervisor. He always encourages me. We just had our reviews actually a, a few days ago. And last year in my review, one of my things to work on, he said was to, you know, be confident in your decision making. But I felt so new and so green that I was kind of skeptical, like you don't want to say the wrong thing or give the wrong direction because it's television. It affects like a lot of things. Yeah. And he told me that being okay and being confident in your decisions, even when it's the unpopular opinion, is the thing that I needed to master. And so just basically developing knowledge about my job, like my roles, my responsibilities, but also about the roles of the people who work with me, you know, like the assistant editors and the editors, everyone in production from the showrunner to the coordinator, everybody, it's important to know their roles because that's what makes me confident in making my decisions because I know how my decision is going to affect everybody else. And having all that responsibility and knowledge about your job, and dealing with this whole COVID-19 outbreak, you guys are still working and going full force, right? 
Oh my God, that has been, this is, it's, it's kind of scary and kind of traumatic because I've never even been in like a hurricane. So like, I don't like everyone's like, you know, panicking, buying like toilet paper. I'm like, (laughs) you guys are doing it wrong. Like buy the alcohol, you know, like, (laughs) like you can wash your butt in the shower. You know what I mean? But um, no. So the thing is like right now there's a huge pressure on all networks. I mean, the majority of like production studios like Warner Brothers, places like that, like they're shutting down production completely. And right now it's important to have our shows like still going because while no one's working, they're at home and what are they doing? They're watching television. They have Netflix on. So we have like a responsibility, you know, that we put on ourselves as a corporation to make sure that our content is still going. And it's definitely, you know, the whole virus is affecting the way things are going. Like, our rollout is not going to be exactly the way it was. We are pushing things. But because we are ahead and we've been delivering episodes for months now and we're ahead, they go live over time. So we're actually okay. Like, you know, thank God, like, Discovery and Motor Trend has, like, the workflow that we have because... Otherwise, it would have definitely been a lot harder, but we're ahead of the game, so now we're just preparing for the rest of the season. That's good. Yeah, and my home office is, like, coming together, and it's going to be so cute. So, like, I'm totally, like, I love working from home. But I don't want to do it forever because I miss, you know, people. (laughs) Of course, yeah. You know, the people that are a part of our daily lives, I feel, play a lot into our self-confidence. Do you feel like growing up, you had a very conducive environment to building self-confidence? Oh, yeah. Like, even, like, when I was, like, a lot younger and I was really heavy, like, my parents always told me that I was beautiful. I don't know if they were just being parents or if they were really like, wow, my child is, like, she's, you know, gorgeous. Like, (laughs) I don't know. But, like, the fact is, like, they said it to me and it made me, like feel good about myself even though I wasn't happy with the way that I looked their positive reinforcement kind of helped me reconfigure my brain on how I felt about myself because when you love your parents and you're vulnerable to your parents and you're like a little sponge growing up everything that they say to you like you absorb it and so it really prepared me uh, to have like tough skin like because I was like well my parents think I'm great you know, so I, I tried not to be too affected until like, you know, when you get older and kids get meaner and then your what your parents told you kind of lives in your head about how good about yourself that you feel, but it starts to dissipate as you get into your teenage years. Teenagers can be mean, man. <laughs> they're terrible as little brats. Like teenagers and middle schoolers, they're the worst little gremlins. <laughs> Having parents that uplift you, I think, is so important in building foundational confidence. But did you ever face bullying when you were in high school? And how did that affect your self-confidence if it did? Oh, yeah. Well, it started, like, bullying started in middle school. You know, and that's because, like, in middle school, our brains are the size of peanuts. And we don't (laughs) understand social cues. And we don't, like, we don't really understand how communicating with others uh, can really impact everyone around you like what you say how you say it um and then in high school they're very it's very different than middle school I think in high school you become your biggest critic even if people don't directly say things to you 
so you kind of take it out on yourself. There were definitely, you know, the things people would say and the names I was called. And then I finally just spent so much time. I called home sick, like, you know, air quotes, sick, like 30 days total my sophomore year of high school because I was just so depressed. I didn't have any friends to talk to. And I begged to be homeschooled. My mom said no. And I think the, the bullying subsided a bit in high school. It was more aggressive like in middle school but in high school I was my biggest bully 100%. Looking back now where you are from where you were what do you think was that defining moment that helped you overcome those feelings of insecurity whether from inside yourself or from the bullying to help you build your self-confidence? You know I had never really felt like I had accomplished something that showed Like, I would win the district speech contest when I was younger, and for me, that was, like, a chance to perform, but I wasn't an athlete, you know, I didn't, I didn't do dance or gymnastics or anything, but going to the gym for a workout, like, you could see results, and you could see change, and it was kind of, it was a physical way of showing that you did something, that you accomplished something, that you worked hard for something, and... My mom had given me an incentive. She denies this, but she told me when I was I was 15, and she's like, if you choose to lose 25 pounds by June, I'll let you get a tattoo. And I was like, oh, my God, because my mom, she didn't want me to be ridiculed. <laughs> my mom always had my best interests at heart, and she knew the way for me to do something was like, I wanted a tattoo so badly. Now both my tattoos are gone. <laughs> um, that's a whole other story. And by that June, I ended up losing 50 pounds. And I was, like, so happy, and I was feeling so freaking good about myself, I forgot completely about the tattoo. Like, because my prize was me, Mm -hmm. you know? like And feeling like, like, I could not believe how I felt. And then that same summer, I got my first spray tan, and I was like, wow, like, like, I look so (laughs) amazing. Like, I specifically said to my friend after the spray tan, we looked in the mirror and I was like, I feel like Miss America. Aww. And that was probably the first time when I was like, I feel beautiful. Part of the whole notion of like exercise confidence is I believe confidence is like a muscle. And in order to make it stronger, like you have to exercise, you have to work it out, you have to stretch it. But I also mm-hmm. believe that exercising does aid in our self-confidence. And I'm not saying that we all have to be like lean bodybuilder type people, but things like going for a walk, accomplishing a workout like help with your self-confidence you had that accomplishment do you still feel like when you work out you feel a little boost of confidence after and did that help you have a positive relationship with your body oh every time I work out like even if it's working out or when I used to do Krav Maga all the time it definitely has something to do with like your endorphins going and you Mm -hmm. feel really good but just the whole sense of, like, when you accomplish something, you already feel good about yourself. Like, if I were to, like, change and go for a run, as soon as I'm back from my run, when I'm sweating, your whole attitude is just, like, ten times happier and you feel good about yourself. And you also want to do more things. Like, you want to go out more and you want to socialize more. And that kind of is like a positive cycle because you're like, oh, if I, you know, I keep doing this, then I'm going to continue to feel good about myself and continue to be happy. 
you know, it's like, it's, it's so simple, but I think humans like make things so much bigger and so much harder than they actually are. We Mm -hmm. just kind of have to stop and like take things into perspective and, you know, understand that anything's possible with just like a logical mindset. (laughs) Being somebody who has accomplished such a big goal of losing over 50 pounds, and having parents that told you you were beautiful no matter what, do you think that you've always had a positive body relationship or were there times that were really hard for you? Definitely times that were very hard. The crazy thing is like even when I was like very, very, very thin, I would look at the mirror and I was like, I could always find something that I could fix and make better. When I had lost at one point too much weight, when I was like 20, I think I was like 21, 22, my parents were trying to, without making me feel bad about myself, trying to get me to understand that I wasn't being good to my body and uh, it was very unhealthy to be so thin. And that was the point when, it's funny, I had a much more difficult time accepting myself when I was really thin than I did when I was very overweight. And that becomes a huge problem because it's like you initially thought well if I keep losing weight I'm going to feel so great but you don't and so Mm -hmm. then that becomes a vicious cycle that you know if you don't you got to have good people in your life to look out for you and you have to make sure you know you ask for help and uh, sometimes we don't see you know when we're doing things too much and you kind of need just good solid people in your life like your family and your friends to remind you and and kind of put you in check you know who do you think has been the biggest positive influence in your self-love journey my mom like a thousand percent like a hundred thousand million percent and i'm sure a lot of people are like my mom's the best but no my mom is the best (laughs) my mom she's so smart so she owns her own business that she started when I was in kindergarten and my other siblings were like a year and two years older than me. She was a beauty queen. She was a model. She does it all. Like she's so well-rounded and just to kind of have her always, no matter what, like in my corner, like there were times like even in like middle school, I didn't want to wear these certain skirts because the popular girls wore the skirts, and I was like, well, I'm fat, so I can't wear the skirt. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to be noticed because I just wasn't comfortable. And she would always encourage me, like, you know, like, don't, it doesn't matter what other people say and what other people think. And then that kind of grew into later becoming more of an adult. I was like, I don't really want to wear this certain type of dress because it's too much. People are going to think, you know, all these dumb things about me that it's so stupid. And my mom was like, Katie Cat. You can never be overdressed or overeducated. And I was like, it was like a light bulb went off. I was like, oh my God, that is my philosophy. You know, that point on, I was like, I want to be the smart girl and I want to be the well-dressed girl. You know, I want to be that girl. I want to be the one who does her best in everything that she does and looks good doing it. Well, good work, Mama Fitzpatrick, because I think you always look stylish. You carry yourself in a way that is... You can just tell there's an air of confidence about you because you are secure in the woman that you are, but it's not arrogant. You're very humble. You're very approachable, and you're always willing to help. You're always willing to be there for the other person. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, 
when I was younger, like, it would have been really cool for there to be, like, a me, to be like, hey, let me help you with this, and to be approachable, and so I kind of subconsciously became the person that in my age group I, like, didn't really have, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's now, it's all about, like, uplifting women, and I went to, you know, a private Catholic all-girls high school, a private Catholic all-girls college, so it's, like, our mission, like, for, like, 10 years was always be there for each other, Mm -hmm. you know, and help each other. And you taught at your college after you graduated, right? I was the department specialist. So I got to work with the undergraduate students and I did get to teach them about equipment, which was like really fun and software. Um, And then at one point I was the counselor for the master's film and television program at Hollywood Center Studios. So I I love that school. Like I had such a great experience. I was a big fish in a little pond. It was like perfect for me. That gave me a crap ton of confidence because you have the opportunity to like excel and I was on like 11 clubs and orgs and I was vice president for two years. I did a lot of stuff. So after I graduated, they had offered me a job right away and I was like, absolutely. And that's cool because that is just another tangible way that you're being the person that you kind of wish you had when you were younger. You're turning around and being that help. And they, like, the students, are, they were, I love them to death. Like, when I had my first day at Motor Trend, one of my students FaceTimed me because he wanted to see what it looked like as I walked in on my first day. So I had my phone, like, in my hand. And he stayed on until connection went away. And it was just like, it meant so much to me that they support me. And like, it was really hard when I told Mount St. Mary that I was leaving because I was so emotionally attached to them. But I knew that I couldn't be a good role model if I stayed there. Like Mm -hmm. if I wanted them to move forward with their lives, I needed to move forward because it's like, who am I if I just stay there? You know, they needed to see me move forward and be immersed in film and television and like making it happen and not just staying in the same place and they even said to me like when I told them we were all crying in my office because we're all like we were so close in age by like four years you know it's like we become friends and they were crying and they're like you have to take the job and it just showed me so much maturity in them Mm -hmm. you know to be so supportive it was honestly like one of the best experiences I you know it was very sad leaving but I was leaving on such amazing terms for great reason and you know everyone wished me the best of luck and I just haven't looked back and moving down to LA you came from Danville which is a, is a smaller town right like they have deer crossing signs and stuff right <laughs> yeah so and there's turkey and like geese like you're in your pool and stuff <laughs> it was nuts Danville is like I was never meant to stay there, you know, Mm. like, I don't even know if I was meant to grow up there, but it gave me the ability to grow up outside of television so I could go into Los Angeles with a new outlook, you know, and be excited to move to LA and be excited to, because I was acting and my first agency was in San Francisco and I knew I wanted to go to LA. I love, like, I love acting. My passion is acting, but... Now, also, my passion is film. It's like, as far as, like, I love everything about it. So the, the move from Danville to L.A. was the craziest, weirdest experience because there's so much traffic in Los Angeles. Like, there's so much traffic. I'm used to it now, but when I go home up north, 
and I'm on, what is it, like, it's been years, but like 680, you know, and you're driving, and there's like five cars on the road, and my best friend, she's like, God, there's a lot of traffic today. I'm like, you're crazy. Like, I could run <laughs> on the freeway right now, you know, and, and not get hit. Like, it's, not that I would, but... <laughs> Yeah, that alone was different, and then the people were different, and I think that was kind of a difficult adjustment because my friend in middle school on student government, she was older than me by like a year, and she's like, love everyone, trust no one, mm. and I have lived by that philosophy because I want to give, of course, everyone the benefit of the doubt, but you have to be careful because people will walk all over you to get where they want to go, and I had learned that the hard way, you know, people always taking advantage not paying you for jobs, stealing from you, mm. being, just overall being mean and like overly critical for no reason. But it taught me so much on how to be tough and how to face rejection. And if I didn't have those experiences, you know, I wouldn't be who I am. I think that's great advice. Love everyone, trust no one. It, I think it helps not to plug my own agenda here, but I think it does help you learn how to exercise confidence in the decisions that you make. And do you feel like growing that thick skin and learning to be tough when people are overly critical or when people are taking advantage of you, do you think that's kind of helped you feel self-assured in who you're becoming as you move down here? Yeah, I mean... If people are mean to you or if people are critical about you, it's because they're worried. It's because you're mm. stepping on their toes. It's because you pose as a threat to their circle, their life, whatever. Unfortunately, that comes from a place of insecurity with people. So you'll notice that people that don't offer to help each other, people that are nice to other people, are those who feel the most insecure. That's why I'm here. Like I am a very confident person. I had to do a lot of things and I've been through many things like a lot of people in order to become confident but I always help other people like if anyone asks there's enough like things in the world there's enough money in the world like there's enough of everything in the world like we can share it you know it's like there's no cap on actors there's no cap on producers there's no cap on money you know so if you're holding things in and not sharing them with the people around you, you're basically putting into the universe that there isn't an abundant amount of success for everyone, including yourself. So the more that you share, the more that you're projecting to the world that there is an abundant amount of success and everyone can participate in it and nobody's gonna get hurt, you know? I love that notion. I think that is such a great way to put it that there is an abundant amount for everyone and if you decide to cap it like you're capping yourself because I think that happens like so often people out of their insecurity will operate in a mode of like survivalist right like we're seeing it right now with the pandemic like everyone's insecure about the future so they're going into survivalist mode like stocking up on things they don't need or things that are food that's going to turn into waste but you could see it in in careers and in your industry yeah. heavily and it's it's the same thing like with money and homelessness if someone asks you for a dollar if you're not going to give a dollar because you're like no i need that dollar then you're putting into the world that you don't have enough mm -hmm. and if you give up that dollar you're making room in your wallet for more that's the way that i see it you know that's a really beautiful see i told you she was intelligent 
Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Yes, and thank you. She's insightful. She's intelligent. She's changing the world. Not only in film, as we've talked about you being behind the camera, but from your standpoint as an actress, how has it been navigating that world, and how has your confidence helped you? I don't want to say break into it because I know you've been acting for so long, but I guess how has it helped you really carve out your niche in that industry? So when I was in middle school, I took video production as an elective. I was 12, and that was because I I wanted to act, but I didn't like the way that I looked, and I was embarrassed, and so I just was like, well, that's kind of my way of like being in film still. So that's where my whole behind-the-camera thing came from, literally because I was too insecure to be on camera, which is hilarious now. <laughs> But it taught me everything about being behind the camera. And when you're behind the camera, you learn so much more about what it takes to be an actor. And it makes you a better actor because you can cater to who's filming you. And in production, when they're filming an actor and an actor knows, like, even like when there's tape in the shape of a T and you know to put your feet on either side of that tape between the T, that means that that actor knows what they're doing and they have experience. And so production will want to work with those types of people more. So as I got older and I kind of started pageants and I had lost weight and I had just really loved being on stage and I love making people laugh. That's where it all stems from. And in high school, I tried out at De La Salle, I tried out for, it's called Company, which is like the theater program. And I got denied. Like I wasn't, I know, I know they come, like I didn't get in and I was really sad. But I was also not a good actor, so it's fine. <laughs> um, it took, like, years, you know, of training. Like, I have trained with the Groundlings for, like, three years. Oh, wow. With my acting teacher, Frank Garish, like, I've trained with him for, like, three years. And just so many classes, any class I could take. And I realized that for me, because when I was younger and I used comedy as a way to kind of, like, deflect negativity. Mm-hmm. I leverage that as a talent, and I leverage that as comedy as an actor. And so I've been very fortunate to book certain roles that allow me to be like a comedian, you know, and even comedy is is typically like male-dominated. But, hey, I can be offensive too. You know, I can say dirty (laughs) words. It's just everything that I've been part of in my life has helped me to some capacity. Everything has happened for a reason. You know, like when I was overweight, that gave me the opportunity to learn about video production, you know, and to learn about being behind the camera. And then when I lost the weight and did pageants, I got the opportunity to feel comfortable to be in front of the camera. And so now I'm in post-production. I literally have so much knowledge of the entire thing and there's always room to learn. Like I am, I'm a student of my job and of life. I'm always learning. And no one will ever know everything. And so I just want to continue learning, whether it's about cars or production or post-production, taking acting classes to just always be practicing your craft. I actually think it was you who posted, be teachable, you don't know everything. Oh my God, yes. I cannot believe you remember that. It's true. Yeah, I know. I remember it because I actually made a small video on like a little one minute video on exercise confidence about that because it was so impactful to me. Yeah, I think another thing I had said was knowledge is power. Just true. The more you know about something, the more powerful you become, Mm -hmm. you know. So and I definitely implement that at my job now because 
there's a lot of pressure and you want to do things correctly and you want to do things right. And, you know, sometimes things won't always be correct, but, uh, you know, the most you can do is, is try. If a listener out there right now has something that they really want to do, but they're afraid for whatever reason, what advice would you give them? The hardest part is starting. That's literally it. You just have to tell yourself and remind yourself that the hardest part of wanting to do something out of fear, the hardest part is just starting. So once you can start it, you're set. Like the rest will take its course. And it's that, I know it sounds so stupid, but it's that easy. And starting can be as simple as picking up a book and reading about what you want to do or asking someone about their experience with whatever it is. You know, like it's just about being proactive, you know, and just starting. <laughs> You've touched on it a little bit when you were talking about your mom and then your transition from, you know, the weight loss and coming from behind the camera to in front, um, talking about pageants a little bit. And I don't want to harp on it too much, but if you don't mind giving us a little maybe backstory on how you got into it and how that, how it affected your self-confidence, either positive or negative or both. When I was in middle school, there was this girl who was Miss Teen Danville. And I was like, wow, that sounds so cool. And I was going through my mom's closet one day, and I found what looks like a crown. Mind you, crowns back then were a little smaller than they are now. Like, now when you see the, like, mega supreme, all this stuff, <laughs> and, like, those crowns are, like, the size of Manhattan. <laughs> like, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Like, I don't have anything like that. But the crowns back, you know, then were very tiny and I didn't I knew nothing about pageants and crowns and like you know how we can like look at a USA state crown you know exactly that's a USA state crown mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you know the Miss America crowns from a mile away yep. and the Miss California collegiate high school junior mm -hmm. high school crowns like we're trained for that you know <laughs> yeah I, I knew nothing and I saw the crown in my mom's closet and I was like what's that and she's like it's nothing and I was like what is it and she's like, well, I did pageants. And I was like, what? This is a sign. And I was like, can I do it? And she's like, no. And I was like, okay. So I signed up. Anyway. And that year, my friend from Diablo Vista Middle School, she was Miss Teen Danville. And she had made the top five at Miss Teenage California. And, like, I just thought it was so cool that she was a pageant girl. Like, I'd always seen Miss USA on TV. And I was like, I never was like, oh, wow, I could be one of those girls. I was always like, wow, it must be so cool to be one of those girls, mm -hmm, you know. Mm -hmm. And then when I was 15, I, I competed at Miss Teenage California, and I didn't even make the next cut. Like, I was a hot mess in this, like, red ball gown with, <laughs> I think I wore red gloves and, like, a giant oh. gaudy diamond ring and <laughs> this, like, weird ponytail thing. But I was so adorable like people were probably like good for her yeah you know, like the whole bless her heart yep. sort of thing. <laughs> and the most vivid memory is the pain in my feet on that stage because I had never stood for that long in any high heel before oh, but, yeah. I, but I like I can remember the sweat trickling down my calf and I was like holy cow I'm gonna faint and like two girls dove off the stage because they passed out and there were like 400 girls competing and it was just like I knew nothing it was really fun you know ignorance is bliss mm -hmm. and then three years later I was a freshman in college and I was like 
well, I'm cute now because I had lost 50 pounds. I was like, I'm cute, I'm kind of pretty, and I'm funny. I think I can, I, I want to do it again. Mm-hmm. And so I did, and I went again, and I got the opportunity to perform. Like, when they asked me, like, the question answer, I got to be honest, and I was real, mm-hmm. and people cried, and they laughed, and so did I. That was when I was like, I think I'm good at something. Like, I think, I think I'm good at making people laugh. I'm good at being entertaining, and I really like it. And I won. It was just defining it in my life because I had never like other than like district speech contests like I had never really won anything and not to put down like middle school stuff but like this was like important because this was an adversity I had faced for so long mm-hmm. and then for me I was like I conquered it like I can't believe I did it and then I did another pageant like a year later because you go to nationals and it was a horrible pageant but it's still you know whatever and <laughs> then I got to do the it's the collegiate pageant and I went you know I was a hot mess for a long time like my black hair and blue eyeshadow and I was like yeah and I still I got fourth runner-up at Miss Collegiate America and I was just like this is really cool like this is really fun like I just really enjoyed meeting a group of girls that I didn't feel bad about myself in front of I didn't feel insecure being around them because everyone is so positive it's like kind of annoying you know like (laughs) yeah it's great though it's like that's how you and I became friends like it's just and everyone's like aren't girls catty and I'm like well not really like there's usually the one psychopath and she doesn't do well which is like you could spot one of the psychos from like a mile away but everyone is so like like there are girls that are going to be in my wedding one day you know it's like Mm -hmm. you become that close because you spend three days around these women typically and at your most vulnerable state. And oh, so yeah. if you can do that, then you're going to be tight with those people for a very, very mm-hmm. long time. And then I was encouraged to do the Miss USA system. And I was like, yeah, right. Like, no, like that's like, I'm, I, I couldn't think of a reason why not when, uh, my director for Miss Teenage California, he was the one that suggested I try it, but, and I couldn't think of a reason not to. I was like, okay, and I did it, and that even snowballed. I was top 10 at Miss California USA, and then I was top 15 at Miss Nevada USA. I was top 10 at Miss Malibu. Like, I won that Miss Hispanic Dad pageant. Like, mm-hmm. I just, I really enjoyed the sport, and I, I still do. Like, last year... I was second runner-up at Miss California International again, which is like, you know, you're not like disappointed, but you're also not like super excited. You're like, cool. Like, I'm not, I'm not the best, but I'm pretty close and that's good enough for me, you know? (laughs) Yeah. No, I know. So if you can like be in a swimsuit on stage and people are literally judging you and writing numbers down based off of what you look like, you can literally handle anything. Yeah. Like, I could be president. You know, it's just because nothing vote for you. can make me, <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't vote for me, so be careful, but like, <laughs> no, but it just like, it, it teaches you lessons you can apply to everything in life, you know, so my pageant interview skills, I like kill it at job interviews, like oh, yeah. when I got interviewed for Motor Trend, like I'm convinced my charming personality and my good attitude made them want to work with me because mm-hmm. I was teachable, you know, like. You, like for like jobs and even like 
pageant interviews, it's like, one, they want to like you when you walk into the room. So yeah. I learned that from pageants. And two, it's like, hey, if you have a good attitude and, you know, maybe your gown sucks or maybe you don't have enough film production knowledge, but we can teach you how to film and we can help you buy a dress and find, and you can learn what styles look good on your body. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's like you can take things from pageants that you've learned and apply them to everyday experiences. And I think that's why we see so many successful people who oftentimes have a pageant background. Mm -hmm. So it like polishes you and preps and primes you. Like I never go to work in sweatpants. I'm like, Oh, I always try to be dressed and ready to go because I perform in the workplace how I feel. Mm -hmm. So it's the same thing. Like when you're doing evening gown on stage, when you love your gown, you know, that moment when you like, you try on the gown, mm -hmm. like your butt looks great. Your boobs look great. Everything's tucked and like, your waist looks like how you just love it. Mm -hmm. Like how you feel is how you walk, you know, like, in your, like if you wear an ugly frumpy dress and you're like, God, I hate this dress and you walk, you can see the person hates the dress. You can yeah. see that they don't like the way they look. It's like the same thing at work. Like when I'm wearing my blazer, which is that the blazers are a total power move and <laughs> like just black boots and my Apple watch and my hair's just ready to go. Not overdone, but just done enough. Um, like I, I feel good that day and like it just affects my overall performance at work and it sounds probably stupid to people but like try it you know like you know try going to work not dressed like a slob see how you feel <laughs> I agree because I know that there are definitely like when we have casual days and I go in jeans is a completely different person like I just got like my first blazer for work and I wore we were at a conference and I was uh, helping present so I just felt like such a big girl so I get what you mean and I had like these pants that I had seen at the store that I was like I want those they were like they're kind of like the fitted slack like cigarette pants they were like cropped at the ankle and they were like red and I, I had the black blazer with like it was a black shirt with like really geometric collar that is such a power move. I Ugh. love that stuff. Like, I love, like, structure and geometric shapes mm -hmm. and just, like, oh, my God. And, like, that is such a power move. And, like, you can see how you'll get two reactions from people. One reaction is, oh, wow, I love your blazer. I love, you know, like, they compliment. And the other person is the one who's, like, saying things behind your back to other people. Like, why would she wear that? You know, and it's just, it's kind of, it helps you, like, differentiate the people that like you work with or that you're around yeah yeah it's definitely and it, it goes back to what you were saying earlier about you can see people's insecurities mm -hmm. somebody who's insecure is going to be the one saying like like she's going to be presenting at a conference all day for 10 hours why is she wearing pumps like why does she have heels on instead of flats and it's like why do you care yeah you know like not your feet like, and i i always like every year i'm like oh wow i'm I'm so much more confident and secure in myself. And then the following year, I look back and I'm like, no, now I'm more secure. Like, now I'm more confident. And then I do the same thing the next year and the next year. And it was even like this past year, I look back and I'm just like, by dealing with so many personalities and different types of people, there was a point where I finally learned to be assertive and make decisions and say things even if it wasn't the popular opinion like my mm. supervisor had encouraged me to do and when you stand up for yourself without putting others down there's an art to it then that's a way of utilizing self-confidence you know in a good way to help 
with whatever you're doing, like for your job. Like there's no, there are people who try to project confidence by putting others down. And it's like, dude, like that's not confidence. Like you're really insecure. You need to relax. Yeah. Like, and then I guess ultimately remembering that every person has a story. Every person has come from somewhere and we don't know what that is. So you have to take that into consideration when you are talking to somebody, if they're being hostile towards you, you know, hostility is not solved with additional hostility. Like that's just, you don't fight fire with fire. You just have to be logical and remember that, okay, that person's come from somewhere and they have hurt. And so they're reacting from that hurt and you can't control what people say to you. You can't control what people do to you, but you can control how you respond to them. And that's the important thing. I think it's really beneficial for people to hear that, especially because someone like you or I, who have had very strong moms, who are very adamant about teaching us those things and reminding us that, you know, somebody's action doesn't determine our outcome like we do. I think for some of the listeners that maybe weren't as fortunate to have that be taught to them, it's beneficial to hear. And so I love that you're you're sharing that and that people are going to hear that. And it's something that is just out there to be perpetuated in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like, after, I mean, I'm 28, like I don't know everything, obviously, but projecting so much positivity, working really hard, learning, going out of my way to learn, and just being as independent as possible, like that has made me so secure about myself because like I have beautiful home that I love that I designed myself. I just finished redoing my kitchen and it looks great. Um, I have my dog and she's the love of my life. She's enormous, but that's fine. Um, (laughs) I have, you know, a a career that I love that people would kill for. And I did it. I did it alone. I did it like myself, Mm -hmm. you know, not to exclude the people in my life who have really helped mold me, but I didn't rely on anyone to do anything for me. And that's where so much confidence comes from because, you know, like after a breakup, you can be a mess and there are two ways you can respond. You can cry about it or you can use it, leverage it and move forward and just kill, crush, destroy. And I I feel like after every breakup, I feel like I get hotter and then like something amazing happens in my life. And it could be just me or being, like, too confident, but I really do think it's just from uh, when you have to emotionally struggle or physically struggle, it helps you build your character. Mm -hmm. And so when you can start doing things on your own and being self-sufficient and independent and smart, that that's all the confidence you need like that's where it all comes from you know because you see your accomplishments and you can just be like I did that yeah it's super true and like I'm thinking back when you're saying like I did that like things that I feel that way about like I feel that way after I like go running I'm like literally my Uh own two feet took me like five six miles whatever it is or like I love the fact that my parents taught me at like a super young age like how to change my own tire or like I had my mirror get sideswiped in a parking structure. Like I looked up how to do it, went on Amazon or whatever auto website, got the part, changed out my own side mirror. And like just all those little things that like you you can do it. Like you have that capability. Just hunker down, learn, like you're saying, be teachable 
and then put it into effect and you'll be so and, proud and you'll feel so confident yeah it's 100 percent true and part of it is also like drink enough water get enough sleep <laughs> paint your damn nails brush your damn hair you know like put in the effort like put in the work yeah and it, it's true like when you when you go running it's like you ran those miles mm-hmm. no one ran that for you you know like you made that money, you got that raise, you got that bonus. No one did that for you. You earned it, you know? And this is exactly why I wanted to interview you. I just think your confidence is exuding like through your voice and into this into this interview and I mean, I could talk to you like all day about this and just do multiple episodes off you, but we'll start wrapping it up. I don't want to take all your time. So, um I guess one of my one of my last things I would touch on here is if you had one tip for listeners to be able to exercise confidence every day I have an idea of what you might say (laughs) what would would that advice be to help them exercise confidence yeah I mean honestly like just the way that my mom had said that to me about Katie Cat you can never be overdressed or overeducated like it's it sounds so silly, but the way it applies to people is that it doesn't just have to be over-dressing or over-educating. It can be, like, over-being nice, over-giving gratitude. You can never do too much, you know? Like, if I could pass down the advice from my mom, you know, that's what I would pass down to other people. And also, most importantly, maybe this will be, like, my original one. Opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's true. I mean, like, everyone, some people are going to like you. Some people aren't going to like you. You know what I mean? It's like, cool, life goes on. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as you like you, that's what counts. That's what matters. Yeah. I what agree. did you think I was going to say? I thought you were going to say something more along the lines of, like, kind of like a look good, feel good, do good kind of thing. Oh, that's funny. I mean, it is true. That's, and that ties in with opinions are like assholes. Because, like, when you stop caring about what other people think of you, you can finally be free to mm-hmm. look good, to feel good, to do good in the world. It affects all of you. I mean, and like she's saying about, you know, putting her best self out there, like, this girl looks flawless right now. she got the cutest pink top on her hair. Makeup is done. Just I did this for you. I was in sweatpants. I love it. I love you. You're gorgeous. I even gorgeous. bought full flashes. You look amazing. You look amazing. <laughs> I know. I was going to ask you one question. Yeah. What's your first memory you have of me? Oh, my gosh. Okay. I love my first memory of you, actually. And you're going to think it's... Is it embarrassing, though? Did I do something stupid? No, no, okay. no, no, oh, no. God. You're going to think it's... um. You're going to think it's either cliche or funny or... I think you'll appreciate it, actually. Because it's, oh, it's almost movie-like, in my opinion. Oh, okay. So, uh, Mary-Kate and I met doing Miss Teenage California. I think I was a freshman or sophomore. I'm not that much younger than you. Um, if you I, were, was, I was a freshman in college. If you're a freshman in college, you won in 2010, right? Yes. Okay. My God, that was so, so long ago. <laughs> that was 10 years ago. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm so old. No, okay, no, on. no. You're, you're like a fine wine. You're aging great. You're perfect. 
attitude, confidence, looks, all of it. Um, but no, my first memory is um, I remember we had we had all like got there, we registered, we went upstairs and we had our like our shirts for that time. Um, they were like the Miss Teenage mm-hmm. California shirt. We were supposed to put them on. Oh my and- god, I know where this is going. <laughs> no, no, you don't. Okay. No, we put them on okay. and we had to come downstairs to rehearsal. Um, oh my god. And. At the time, like, I was super awkward. I, I love wearing my glasses. I wear my glasses every day all the time. But I had contacts for this. So I had gone upstairs, and I was, like, Meh, like trying to mess with these freaking contacts, putting them in my eye. And we went downstairs, and I walked out with my roommate, who I'm still good friends with. Shout out to Tina Yang in San Francisco. She's my homie. Um, but no, no, no. So we walked downstairs. We opened the door, and we're all waiting outside. And I remember you were probably, like, a couple people away from me in the crowd. You had glasses on. Um, your hair was just like perfect. It was just so bouncy and you were just standing there like talking to somebody and like laughing oh and I just saw you and I was like, I don't know who she is, but I want to be like her because oh you seem, you seemed so confident and so self-assured and you were just, and you were so nice to everybody that was talking to you. And some people, I guess maybe knew you or were trying to get to know you and you just seemed so nice and so cool and so confident. And I was like her, like, I want to be like her. And then when you won that year, I was not surprised. And I had told my mom, I'm like, she kept sticking out to me all weekend and I didn't know why. But she Aww. won, so it makes sense, you know? Like, she's just one of those girls that stands out. Like, so Oh, that's- my God, that, like, melts my soul. That was, like, that was... And then you guys voted for me for Miss Personality. Yeah, and yes. That, that was, like, that was so cute. Like, I was like, they like me. Yeah, and I and I I love when something like that happens because I I think it's not super rare, but it's a little more rare that the girl who is the nicest also winds up winning. Mm-hmm. And the one it that definitely was like a it was a surprise for me, but like you know, I'm just glad I went back to try again. You know, me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's my that's my first memory of Mary Kate, and then you became a household name because my mom and I immediately like just fell in love with you and thought you were amazing, and have, we know you and I have stayed in touch, and we, I follow your journey, yeah. and I think it's super awesome everything that you're doing, and I'm grateful like like you've said to to have you be that person that doesn't mind being the role model, doesn't mind turning around and helping other people, is accessible, is a, is an example, and I and I appreciate that because I've definitely been able to look to it whether it's reaching out or whether it's just me kind of seeing you on my feed like it's the kind of positivity that like I want to see on my feed that makes me want to be better that helps me grow that challenges me and pushes me like whether you know it or not oh that like makes it makes me feel like god I hope what I'm posting is like not just my dog you know what I mean like, <laughs> but even but if it like is I, your dog it makes me happy <laughs> <laughs> but like I'm, I mean it makes me happy that you feel that way because like I, I want people to always feel that way because it's sad when you know you don't feel that way yeah so it's like I kind of made it like my mission I want to help you know mm-hmm. I want to be accessible and your your transparency and your vulnerability I think is important like I said it a couple of times in other interviews but I and I say it when I talk to people I think that being candid and being transparent it helps us have that foundation where we realize like we don't all have the same experiences, but at the end of the day, we are all human and we can connect on a certain level. So just the way you're honest in not only the, you know, hard things you've overcome and encountered, but also with like confident, like you were saying, like 
when you decided to go back for Miss Teenage California, you're like, well, I'm older, I'm a little less awkward, I'm pretty. And it's like, yeah, like, own it. Like, I feel like those kind of things where it's like, we're taught like, oh, no, like, don't think you're too smart. You shouldn't think you're too pretty because then you come off arrogant or rude or, like, yeah. selfish. And it's like, why shouldn't I? Like, why shouldn't I embrace every good thing that I am? Because if I'm embracing my good, that's what I'm going to bring to the table. And that's what we need more of. A hundred percent. Like, I posted this quote, too, one time. It's on my Instagram. Let me tell you right now. But it was like when there was a point I was kind of like feeling not defeated at work, but I was just feeling like a little bit down and I just passed my, I think it was, it was my one year anniversary. Mm -hmm. And I just ended the quote with, I know what I bring to the table. So trust me when I say I'm not afraid to eat alone. Yes. That was just like, like all you need is you, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And if you know your worth and your value and you've got good morals, you know, then you've got a good future. Yeah. I love that quote. I've seen it before and it's something that I think a lot of a lot of very confident, self assured women have no problem admitting. Is like, yeah, that does resonate with me. So I will post it because I know I do know what I bring to the table. I'm not afraid to eat alone. And then there's another quote that like I had seen um it's by a poet and I know I'm gonna misquote it, but it's the sentiment is basically like my alone is so sweet, I'll only have you if you're sweeter. So basically, like, if you're not going to match what I have when I'm by myself, yeah. I don't want it. Yeah, no, that's such a good philosophy. That's really, really good. I need to apply that to, like, my life, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's true. It, they're, like, quotes like that and, and powerful women that are okay with making those tough decisions or kind of doing it alone that's helped me get out of bad relationships whether it's with boyfriends or friends or uh even family members when things get kind of toxic it it helps me feel confident in being like i don't need this i don't deserve it and i'm i'm not going to allow it to persist yeah it makes you a lot stronger and it just kind of reinforces your strength and like god there's no better feeling than doing something and accomplishing something on your own because when you're like at a hundred percent with yourself and you don't need somebody there but you'd like to have somebody there and they basically they deserve you Mm -hmm. then that's when I think people are ready for like relationships but I think oftentimes people look for relationships as a way to complete them and Mm -hmm. that's not the way it's supposed to be like one of my exes, like, he just can't be alone. Like, you know, bless his heart, but, like, he just cannot. I've never seen him alone. Like, he's always, like, with, like, with a girl, and then he has, like, transition friend, and then breaks up with the girlfriend, and then moves with the transition one, and I'm just like. Oh, no. Like, when I break up, I'm then single for, like, three years, because mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I need to grow now. I need to be my own person now, mm-hmm. you know, and. Even, like, when I'm at 100%, like, the way I feel, it's, like, that doesn't necessarily mean, like, okay, I love myself. I am ready for a relationship. You right. know, like, timing is everything, and you just got to, like, know yourself and yeah. what you want and when to have it. Yeah. You have to know yourself to grow yourself, and I think a lot of people have a hard time getting to know themselves, and that's why their self-growth can get kind of stagnant. And it's not, like you're saying with the relationship, it's not two people that are half filled and then coming together to make a complete like it's got to be two complete people Mm -hmm. that are able to kind of just share in life 
but also still be completely whole without one another. And I agree with you. I think a lot of people, they don't give themselves enough of that time. They don't give themselves that space. And so then they're, they're kind of desperate. They feel like something's missing. And it's not, it's not the other person, which is what they think. They think, oh, something's missing. I must need fulfillment from someone else. It's like, no, no, no. You got to find it here first. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah, if you're not confident 100% with yourself, you're not going to be confident about your relationship, and then everyone's going to fight, and it's not going to go well, and yeah. And been there, so. done that, it's not worth your time. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so true. Oh, man, for real. But no, thank you. Honestly, thank you again so much for agreeing to be on here. I appreciate it. I love getting to talk with you. I'm, I'm really excited to you know, produce this episode and put it out because you had a lot of really insightful words of confidence it naturally flows out and the way that you speak and the tone that you carry it's very commanding and it just shows that it's coming from a place of security and confidence so uh, that makes me happy that the message has been received oh for sure that's, for sure. that's really cool that makes me feel good i'm so grateful that you wanted to talk to me yeah like, i love talking so it's like <laughs> i want to i want to share the goodness you know what yeah. i mean like i want to share happiness and all the fun times and the positivity yeah i'm really grateful Thanks. i'm so happy we got to do this i know me too if you ever need me to talk about anything else too holla because yeah i'm gonna be working from home for the next <laughs> few weeks and like i said if you have questions about techie stuff like i'm happy to help yeah you know? for sure for sure absolutely awesome thank you so much i really appreciate yeah. it no this was great it was great talking i appreciate you Stay safe, stay healthy, keep doing the good work that you're doing. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. I love you. I love you. I love you too. Thank you. Bye. Bye. See, she is just the coolest, most confident person ever. I love how she shared the advice with us that her mom gave her. You can never be overdressed or overeducated. Definitely something I'm going to be taking with me in the future. I also love how she just emphasizes how important it is to just unapologetically be yourself. Show up and just put the work in because the work will produce results. And I think that's something that we can all take to heart here on our confidence journeys. Whether it's something tangible that we can see, maybe like a weight loss journey, or whether it's working towards a big promotion at our company, or even something like starting your own business and creating a movement. When you put the work in, you can find the results. And remember to be proud of that. I know it's easy to think, no, we're supposed to be dim, not be proud of our success, not overshare it. We don't want to come off as arrogant or cocky. But there is a beautiful line that you can walk where you can confidently express all that you have achieved in a way that inspires others. And I believe in you. So go ahead, do it especially right now, because there is no time like the present. So I want to thank you again so much for tuning in. I hope I have earned the privilege of your time. Signing off for now, I am Jaren Asari, and I hope that you find a way to exercise confidence every day.